Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a good day, and thanks for letting us be part of your day. Here's what we'll be talking about. Uh, estate tax, again, a big concern for those in agriculture, and talk about changes and step-up bases and the estate tax. Well, there's been some, res- uh, some legislation introduced that the National Cattlemen's Beef Association feels would help protect family-owned businesses and farmers and ranchers. So we'll take a look at that with Danielle Beck with NCBA. Also, a lot of talk about the infrastructure proposal, what's in it, how it will be paid for. We'll talk with Andrew Walmsley with the American Farm Bureau Federation about that. And we'll take a look at developing weather patterns. We'll talk with Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub. All that coming up on today's program. But first, let's go to California. That's where we find Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, nice and warm in California? Uh, it is indeed. I'm in Palm Springs uh, for a, a week's break, and uh, it was over 90 degrees when I arrived yesterday, but it's only 68 this morning at 7 a.m. Uh, you know, you've got to wait for the sun to come out here before it really heats up. Well, enjoy your time there, but in the meantime, we're kind of watching reaction to uh, infrastructure and, and tax proposals. What are you hearing? Well, the thing that interests me the most at the moment uh, is, I guess, twofold. The first is that the Senate parliamentarian ruled that the Senate could use reconciliation procedures to do, to do more work, that there could be a kind of add-on to the, to, the, to the reconciliation package that was already passed. But then the second thing, and I think even more important, is that Senator Manchin has written an article in the uh, Washington Post that says he is absolutely opposed to ending the filibuster or even weakening it, and he has reservations about using reconciliation. He says there really needs to be compromise between the two parties, uh, and this is so important because, of course, you know the the Democrats need every Democratic vote to get their bills through, even on a reconciliation package where they would use the 50 votes plus Vice President Harris. So uh, they have to work out a deal with Manchin. There is no uh, no question about it. Uh, his vote is absolutely vital. Yeah, Manchin has become a key figure for sure uh, in the Senate and uh, for moving anything forward. And we're hearing a lot of concerns raised about the infrastructure package, about non-infrastructure items in it, and also lack of details on uh, some of the things that are in it that we know of. So we're still waiting for some of that, see how that shakes out, and how willing will the Biden administration be to uh, cut back on some of these things or compromise on some of these items? Yes, well, I just read this morning that President Biden said yesterday he is willing to compromise. Uh, So I would think that what you might do is you might get back to something of what that's what's considered more traditionally infrastructure, roads, bridges, and ports, things like that. But I think for rural America, the really important issue is whether broadband stays in there. 
because there is so much concern that we've got to have broadband throughout rural America. The, uh, the farmers need it, the businesses need it, and the families need it. Young people do not want to return to rural America if their children will not have access to the Internet in the same way that urban children have it. What are you hearing on some of the climate policy proposals and how they uh, could offer opportunities for agriculture? Uh, well, uh, you know, we're not hearing as much this week. Congress is out. And this allows me to make the point that, you know, the re really important, well, we have two important next days here. The first one is that on Friday, the Biden administration is supposed to release some of its uh, budget proposals, and this may give us some ideas on everything, infrastructure, climate. Uh, and Monday, the Congress comes back, and now we'll have a long period of Congress being in session uh, for, you know, now until Memorial Day. Um, but on climate, of course, uh, the latest uh, discussion in Washington is this criticism that uh, on the climate proposals, well, once you have, you know, once you have the Farm Bureau involved, then any of these proposals that are brought forward uh, are questionable. And that's with this alliance in which the Farm Bureau is involved and the, and the Environmental Defense Fund. Uh, you know, there are people who think there's no way the environmentalists and the farmers can work together. I certainly hope that that's not true, but that criticism will have to be dealt with. And certainly the issue at the border has to be dealt with, and which impacts things like immigration reform, even the, the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. All that will be impacted by that. Well, that's certainly true, too. I uh, haven't heard so much this week about, uh, about the border problem, although it seems likely that the uh, the number of people trying to get into the country is just uh, continuing to rise. President Biden notes that it's this time of the year. There are others who are saying, of course, he's, make, he's, he's, he's luring people into the country with uh, opposing the, the Trump administration uh, severe policies. Uh, uh, we just have to see if they, if they work out something on this. But it's I think it definitely makes it harder to pass the immigration uh, proposals, both for the dreamers and for the, uh, for the farm workers. So it'll be interesting when Congress gets back in session. I mean, there's a lot on the table, but doesn't seem to be a lot of consensus uh, for reaching across the aisle. So uh, it would be interesting to see what they can get done, or as we've seen already, what the Democrats can push through, even if they don't have any Republican uh, support. Well, that's right. Now, uh, you know, the Democrats did push through their 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 uh, stimulus package, uh, uh, and you know they worked it out. And I think they're still motivated to to do the stuff that that they care about the most. Uh, and so, uh, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't say they're not going to do it, uh, but it may be pared down from what they've been uh, talking about. Uh, uh, and the question, of course, is how they'll pay for it. Uh, and Manchin says he does not want to raise the corporate income tax to the level that Biden has talked about. Uh, and then I think there will be severe uh, opposition to the idea of, of somehow using the, the estate tax or getting rid of stepped-up basis uh, to do that. And for me, that is the big, big deal in agriculture. Not so much the estate tax itself, but the proposal to get rid of stepped-up basis, uh, which I think would cause chaos in the land market.
Yeah, that's always kind of where agriculture's drawn the line in the sand and, and defending that. So we'll see how that goes. That could be quite a battle ahead. Jerry, enjoy California. Thanks a lot. Probably talk to you next week. Yep, that's sounds, that sounds good. We'll talk when, when Congress is in and we get some idea of what they're doing just for the next couple of months. Sounds good. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Yep, goodbye. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. He mentioned the estate tax. Well, there has been some in, uh, legislation introduced. The Preserving Family Farms Act of 2021. NCBA sees this as a way of protecting family farms and ranches. We will talk with Danielle Beck with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association about that next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us own every day when you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to chs you get local expertise a proven efficient supply chain and global market access learn more at cooperativeownership.com when it comes to the crops you plant we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed in order to do that you need every plant to emerge on the same day the problem is you don't know if this is actually happening we understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit here's how it works go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit we'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags a seed digger and instructions the first day your plants start coming up follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day you'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free don't wait kits are limited that's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. 
Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, an issue that just seems won't go away is the estate tax and or often referred to as the death tax. Uh, many in agriculture are very concerned about this as uh, there's talk about uh, making some changes again with that, uh, eliminating step-up bases, things like that. Well, there's been some legislation introduced. The Preserving Family Farms Act of 2021, NCBA, feels like this would help protect family-owned businesses such as farms and ranches. Here to talk about it is Danielle Beck, Senior Direct, Executive Director of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Danielle, thanks for joining us. Tell us about this legislation and how you think it would help this issue. Yeah, NCBA is incredibly grateful to Representatives Panetta of California and Malorsi of Indiana uh, for their bipartisan support for this uh, effort. It's a critically important issue. You know, Section 2032A allows the estate of a qualified farmer to make an election on their federal estate tax return for a special use valuation of qualified farmland and buildings inherited by family members. And so that really allows uh, the qualified estate to be valued at its agricultural use value rather than its highest and best use. And that can result in significant death tax savings if you're in a position, uh, you know, you're a family member where you may end up having to pay the estate tax. And NCBA, um, you know, when we started working on this issue, we realized that, um, you know, Ultimately, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act provided a, quite a bit of relief for a lot of different agricultural producers out there, but it didn't help everyone. There are still some out there who, who might ultimately be impacted by the death tax in spite of the you know, raised exemption limits. And so we, we worked with uh, both Panetta and Morlar C. last Congress to see this legislation introduced because this was supposed to be additive to the relief that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act provided. Uh, those limits will be reverting back in 2026, but we also have seen uh, quite a bit of conversation around the death tax and some potential changes that may be made. And that makes this 2032A proposal all the more important. Always beware when the government says something is permanent because it's not permanent, right? So those past changes that were big improvements uh, that we thought were or were called permanent at the time, we realize once again being reminded that's not the case. Well, that's true. Uh, and, you know, I think we've got a lot of work to do if we want to preserve what we secured in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. But, uh, you know, we have got a lot of great allies on Capitol Hill. We have strong bipartisan support uh, for this issue and for a host of other tax issues that are so important for our agricultural producers. That's not to say we don't have our work cut out for us, um, but there's also a, a lot that can change. There's a lot that could go on. Um, just this week, we saw the decision by the Senate parliamentarian uh, to allow Democrats to use reconciliation again. And I think everybody is now scratching their heads, trying to figure out what that means and what could happen next. Yeah, let's talk about that. There's so many different tax proposals out there. We know something's got to be done to pay for all this government spending. What are you uh, hearing and what what's gaining traction or not gaining traction at this point? 
That's a good question, Mike. So, uh, you know, President Biden's American Jobs Plan, uh, you know, trillion dollar package, uh, they proposed several changes to the federal tax code in order to pay for that almost $3 trillion plan. Uh, But, you know, all of the changes that we saw in that proposal were actually focused on the corporate side of the tax code. I have to say I breathed a sigh of relief. Uh, They proposed raising the the corporate rate to 28% from 21%. Uh, They wanted to change uh, certain provisions that right now benefit uh, corporations that, you know, might have uh, a majority presence here in the United States, but tangible assets overseas for tax purposes, um, you know, ultimately evading uh, a higher tax rate here in the United States. Um, You know, I think he focused probably on the side of the tax code that puts should put a lot of our producers at ease. However, um, you know, we will see Senate Democrats move an infrastructure proposal through the reconciliation process, whether that's one big bill or multiple bills. I think we could possibly see even two more reconciliation bills this year, which is, I mean, that will dominate all of the legislative activity in the Senate and, you know, House for that matter. And if that happens, um, we already know that there are going to be extra provisions, extra proposals outside of infrastructure and jobs thrown in there, and there'll have to be pay for it. And so, you know, stepped up basis, the death tax, all of that could be on the table. And so NCBA, we're going to continue advocating. We're calling on our producers to advocate, to reach out to their members of Congress and help us educate them on the importance of a tax code um, that's equitable for our producers. Uh, You know, it's important that we get a, you know, a, a proposals that stimulate our economy and create more jobs and improve our infrastructure. But you can't balance the budget on the backs of agricultural producers. That's just not acceptable. We're talking with Danielle Beck with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Danielle, that's kind of where the rub comes. I mean, infrastructure improvements are needed and agriculture is pushed for them. But at the same time, if the pay-fors may may do more harm than good. I mean, so that that puts agriculture off and and others in a tough spot on some of these things. It does. You know, I had a conversation with some of our producers in West Virginia last week, and we were talking about processing capacity, which is a huge issue for NCBA. Um, We mentioned a a proposal that had been included in the December COVID relief bill. And they were like, man, that sounds great. Uh, But, you know, Ultimately, we don't have the broadband that's really needed in order to be take, able to take full advantage of that. I mean, there are agricultural producers out there who I think would benefit quite a bit or stand to benefit quite a bit from some of what's been included in President Biden's proposal, some of the issues and provisions that they're talking about, including, um, you know, both in uh, Schumer and Pelosi's proposals on the Hill. But ultimately, if if they move to uh you know, repeal the step up in basis or, you know, move those death tax exemption limits back down to 3.5 million per person. I mean, that's just untenable. Um, that will that will capture way too many agricultural producers. And so 2032A, circling back around, uh, I think, you know, prevents a viable or presents a viable alternative. Again, it's, it's meant to be additive to we are not trying to negotiate against ourselves here. But in a worst case scenario, uh, I think this could serve as an important backstop. How much support has this legislation received so far? Uh, well, we're still working to get a, uh, a companion in the Senate introduced. Um, you know, we had a good amount of support last Congress, but unfortunately it was introduced just prior to the, the COVID outbreak. Um, and so, you know, I think that took up a lot of the air in the room, and we really haven't had a whole lot of conversations about taxes that weren't 
COVID related, uh, to be quite honest, in almost a year. So it's, it's good to be talking about something that's uh, a little bit more long term uh, and looking towards the future rather than just COVID related emergency provisions and policies. Now, we've had some comments from Senator Manchin about not wanting to do away with the filibuster. Uh, but what do you are you concerned that some of these tax proposals could just still get pushed through Congress because you have one party in control of both uh, the House and the Senate? Yeah, that is always a risk. Um, you know, I, hopefully uh, Senator Manchin will stay strong. Um, you know, I think he's a, a great example of a statesman and somebody who's put down policy over politics and a political agenda. Um, we need more folks in both the House and the Senate like that. Uh, ideally, um, you know, there'll be a little bit more bipartisan collaboration when it comes to an infrastructure proposal. But I, I don't, looking at the tea leaves, I don't foresee that happening. And so ultimately, uh, it's amazing that one or two individuals in one chamber can have so much power. But uh, Manchin might be our guy on this issue. Uh, or, you know, a handful of other Senate Democrats for that matter, I guess. Do you see this infrastructure plan getting pared down? I mean, the criticism of it is that there's so much in it that's not non-infrastructure. Uh, do you think do you see it getting pared down some and then maybe down to something um, more agreeable to both sides? You know, it's unclear to me at this point. I think everybody, we're all sort of waiting and watching. We're in a weird holding pattern right now, Mike. I think it's it could be that we see it split up into two different packages and both are moved through the reconciliation process. Um, I, you know, maybe the winds will change and there is some sort of meaningful effort to, you know, reach across the aisle and have a, a bipartisan, um, you know, collaborative process. I don't have high hopes for that, to be quite honest, but uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed in the meantime and, you know, continue advocating and educating because ultimately that's all we can do. Yeah, these spending plans are coming through in waves, it seems like, and it, you got to really stay on this, as I know you are, certainly, uh, on the pay-fors, and uh, we'll, we'll watch that closely. Danielle, as always, thank you for the update. Of course. Thanks for having me. Take care, Mike. Take care. Danielle Beck, Senior Executive Director of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So there's a lot going on here, a lot of proposals on both the spending side and the tax side. We're going to talk more about this infrastructure proposal that uh, is out there right now that has a lot in it for infrastructure, although maybe not as much as some people think, and then a lot of other things that aren't infrastructure related. We're going to get into all that in more detail with Andrew Walmsley with the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free 
and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Wednesday, traders stepped towards their respective corners in regards to the USDA reports on Friday. Traders sold soybeans until they slid below the green line 20-day moving average in an independent nod toward cheaper prices. Last week's U.S. crush report was smaller than analysts expected, and international traders are talking about the solid stream of soybeans leaving Brazil and heading to China. We are seeing higher prices across the board this morning. Morning, May corn trading 13 and a fraction higher at 5.73 and three quarters. The July contract up 11 and a half cent at 5.57 and a half cent. May soybeans trading 12 cents higher at 14.20 and three quarters. The July contract up 11 and a half cent at 14.14 and three quarters. For wheats, the Chicago wheat May contract trading 11 and a half cent higher at 6.27 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat May up 13 cents at 5.76 and a quarter of a cent. Minneapolis spring wheat may up 13 and a half cent at 638 the July contract up 14 cents at 646 in cash cattle country it's slow to start this morning following a moderate live trade in the south yesterday at mostly 120 to 121 dollars a lighter live trade took place in the north at 122 to 123 dollars three to four dollars higher than the bulk of last week's live deals only a handful of dress trade was reported at 195 dollars asking prices are around one $122 plus in the south and $197 in the north. Looking at live cattle futures on the Board of Trade, the April contract up 97 at 124.12. For feeder cattle, the April contract up 37 cents at 148.02. For lean hog futures, the May contract up 32 cents at 104.77. The June contract up 20 cents at 108.10. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
All right, let's look a little closer at this uh, infrastructure proposal, uh, officially called, I guess, the American Jobs Plan, if you will. On, on the one hand, a lot of areas that have been needed, in, that have needed improvement for some time are mentioned and would be addressed somewhat in this package. And we know that agriculture has been right at the forefront calling for improvements in infrastructure. So a lot of those areas are uh, included in this plan. But there are a lot of things in here that are not infrastructure related and there's a concern about how to pay for it. I want to talk about that now with Andrew Walmsley with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Let's let's start there. The 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 pluses and minuses. What do you see? What does Farm Bureau like about this infrastructure proposal? Well, good morning, Mike. It's good to be on. Yeah, no, we definitely do have to give credit to this administration. There was a lot of outreach uh with the agricultural community in Washington leading up uh, up to the proposal and so um, you know, some of the things that are important for infrastructure concerns in rural America, you know, one of those, uh, maybe not traditionally thought of as infrastructure, but a critical piece is around broadband. Uh, you know, the package has about $100 billion for, for high-speed broadband. Uh, you know, there's another $115 billion for repairing bridges, highways, and roads. The, the proposal itself calls out, you know, a lot of the structurally deficient roads we see in rural areas. And so trying to fix those first uh, and make an investment in those communities you know, we see ports and inland waterways, another $17 billion. Um, You know, those are kind of the, the big pieces uh, from the infrastructure side. But then there's some even delivery of programs, you know, a focus on a new rural partnership program, recognizing that some of our smaller rural communities or rural counties don't have the resources that, say, a more metropolitan area might have to access, you know, some of these competitive grants and formula funding. And so recognizing that are all kind of put on the table in this proposal. So uh, those, are, those are the pluses. There's even a little mark in there on some agricultural research, research infrastructure. You know, a lot of our land-grant universities are, are, you know, working in Apollo-era uh, facilities from the 1960s when we're living in the SpaceX world. So there's even a little piece in there recognizing the need for uh, our research needs and infrastructure at our research facilities. Now, this plan, as many government spending plans when they're first introduced uh, is lacking in details and so we often say the devil's in the details so uh, we wait for that but there are some areas I know that you would like to see a a lot more uh, specificity on as far as what really is in there what money's going to be where it's going to be going for I mean there's they talk a lot about climate smart ag or zero emissions and and things like that well that may sound good in this environment today, but you don't know what that actually means and, and certainly how it would be implemented or paid for. You're absolutely correct. I mean, it is light in details in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, there's also the adage that, that the administration proposes and Congress disposes. Um, but there are some markers in there that I think Congress will pay attention to. And, that, and one of those is around kind of this zero emissions idea or at least climate smart ag practices. There's about a billion dollars that that it, it appears is being called for in this package. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. It is the devil in the details. This is an area that, you know, Farm Bureau and the Act community has waded much deeper in and having uh, a lot of thorough policy discussions with, uh, you know, our traditional stakeholders, but even new partners with some of the environmental community and those of us that came together in the Food and Agriculture Climate Alliance. Uh, and the key point is exactly what you pointed out is, is we've got to get it right. You know, there's things that work for agriculture, you know, voluntary incentive-based go over a lot, lot better than than a than a regulation or or a stick type approach. 
Um, so, you know, there's a lot of recommendations that we put together through the Food and Agriculture Climate Alliance that, that we see, see a pathway forward that benefits farmers and, and helps us continue to build on a strong foundation of, of stewardship. Um, but really how that is built out, uh, you know, we're already having those conversations with Congress. I know there's some corners of uh, particularly the Senate Ag Committee that would like to expand on that, that dollar amount. Uh, and obviously, um, you know, get get a little more specific on what might be utilized by those dollars. Yeah, that voluntary versus mandatory approach, that that's a big item here. We're talking with Andrew Walmsley with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Are you concerned that the administration, when it picked five cabinet members to basically sell this plan to the public and to Congress, that Ag Secretary Vilsack was not one of those chosen? I don't know if we were concerned, but probably the you know more surprised than anything. You know, you think about the experience that Secretary Vilsack uh, has as, as being Secretary of Ag for eight years in the, in, in the Obama administration. Um, you know, he's pretty well liked along, along Capitol Hill. He, he's um, a good messenger for this administration. He's been doing a ton of outrage to rural uh, communities and to the agriculture community. So it does kind of scratch your head. When there is a focus on rural projects uh, in the president's proposal, uh, and that you've got a strong advocate like Secretary Bosak to get help push some of these initiatives through Congress, you got things in there: four hundred billion for home health care facilities, three hundred billion for manufacturing support. A number of things that uh, I don't think most people would—they may consider those items certainly important, but would not uh, define them as infrastructure-related. Uh, do you see this bill maybe getting pared down closer to an actual infrastructure bill? Well, and that's kind of in your opening. The, you know, we kind of talked about the pluses, and then the, there's the parts that either make you worry a little bit or scratch your head. It, the administration is definitely utilizing a, a broad definition uh, when it comes to infrastructure, and then the price tag of it all, too. You know, it's over a, roughly $2 trillion. Um, we just spent... Uh, in Washington, $6 trillion for, for mostly pandemic response over the last year. And so now putting such a large bill uh, out there again, I know it's definitely causing some concern for our members because we do um, have a lot of policy in the Farm Bureau policy book about fiscal responsibility. And I think there was an understanding, you know, in the middle of a pandemic of being responsive. But at some point, when you start becoming responsible again uh, on the impacts to the budget and balancing all that out. And so that's going to make it a challenge uh, to get it through Congress. The big question is if there's going to be bipartisan support. I don't think the package as it is today that exists, but is it pared down to a more traditional surface transportation bill or a traditional infrastructure bill? Uh, you know, I think that obviously heightens the chance for bipartisanship. But then there's the big question how do you pay for it? And so in this proposal, the administration's looking um, at, at some of the corporate tax rates and different things like that. that you know, fortunately, isn't necessarily focusing on farmers, so we breathe a little bit of sigh of relief. But you know, raising taxes as you're trying to recover for a pandemic as well uh, obviously causes some concerns and, and is really a non-starter for a lot of the Republican uh, side of the aisle. The the political playbook for selling these types of programs, and both parties use that same playbook, is you put a lot of things in there. You 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 speak in general terms and hit on a lot of areas that, that sound appealing to uh, who you're trying to sell this to, and you hope that they'll focus on those areas that they like and kind of tend to overlook the areas they don't like in effort to uh, to get the thing through. That seems to be the game plan here. 
yeah, that's kind of how the ugly sausage making works a lot of times is you, you load it up and folks kind of focus on on their shiny objects. And obviously you got to advocate for the interest of, of your membership or whoever you're representing. But then if you take a step back, you know, holistically, where are we going with all this, the cost, the debt, um, you know, the, those are conversations that need to be had. And I think will be had over the next several months. The big question is just the route that, that Congress will take. Will they use this through reconciliation? Um, another bite at that apple, which does limit what they can do on policy. You know, you are tied because of the bird rule and, and the budgetary constraints that are involved in that. Um, or do they try to get to 60 votes and, and be bipartisan and, and maybe a little more responsible on the budget and funding side of things? Yeah, you know, um, when I look at it, it, part of me says, wow, they're finally, there's an infrastructure package out there, something we've been waiting for for some time. And infrastructure improvements are so needed. I just find it so frustrating that when we finally get a package that it's loaded down with all these other things and doesn't doesn't focus on the infrastructure issues specifically that would seemingly get bipartisan support and could actually get done and, and, and really help in a lot of areas. So, I mean, it just seems like uh, this political wish list that gets dumped in there and as i've said before both parties have done this over the years it's just frustrating that this is the way our our legislative process works you know you're absolutely mike right i mean there's there's uh, a pathway that, that we could be responsible and and you could get broad bipartisanship and really focus on issues that do impact uh, a lot of folks and that need improvements um, but unfortunately you, know, you get caught in the beltway bubble and and just things become so politicized and there's narrow margins. I mean, that's the other piece of this. Everything's just so tight these days um, and and so little time to to make broad strokes, I guess, is the the pressure that each party feels when they do have control. So we'll see what happens. The president has said he's open to some compromise on that, on this issue. Uh, We've Senator Manchin saying he's not in favor, not going to support doing away with the uh, filibuster, uh, so we'll see where that leads us. Yes, sir. It's going to be an interesting couple of months. We hope, you know, the, the, the rhetoric coming from the president about, about wanting to work in a bipartisan manner, that's important for us at Farm Bureau. We work on both sides of the aisle, and typically you, you end up with a better piece of legislation because you've heard all views. Uh, so, you know, it's Congress's job now. That, like I said, the president's kind of proposed something. Uh, now, you know, we're, we're work, working with the committees of jurisdiction, and it'll play out through, through that process. It's going to take a while. We'll see. What do you think? Sometime this summer, maybe? Well, that's definitely the idea that, that Speaker Pelosi has put on the table. I know the committees uh, are, are working towards that deadline of having something to the floor by July 4th, but we'll see if that's reality or not. Maybe a lot of fireworks come that time, July 4th. All right. Andrew, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Andrew Walmsley with the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, we're going to take a look at developing weather patterns to watch. Dennis Toddy with the USDA Midwest Climate Hub joins us next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. 
and your intestines and keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel diesel that doesn't mess around.
Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, some planting already underway, others very close to getting started. Let's take a look at some weather patterns and trends to watch. Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub, joins us. Dennis, thanks for being with us. Um, even as we speak this here late week, we have some moisture moving across uh, the country. And is it getting to some of those areas that need it the most? Well, it, it, it is somewhat but it's not as much as we could use in some places, and that's maybe good or bad. Um, you know, right now we've had some, some decent rainfalls, parts of Iowa, parts of Minnesota, a little bit in the eastern Dakotas that is, has fallen or is headed up that way, and that's good. Eastern Corn Belt is expecting some more over the next couple of days. It's a system that's, you know, it's a pretty big system, pretty well wrapped up, so it's going to slowly move its way out over the next couple of days. So the eastern Corn Belt and and those you know the far northern part of the Corn Belt is going to get you know could maybe get another inch or so in some places which would be beneficial. Uh, you know people don't sometimes don't want very much rainfall uh, given they're getting ready to start planting. At this point, we do need some water on the soils, given how dry soils are in some of these places, so that it will slow the progress down a little bit, but not appreciably and uh, will actually become somewhat beneficial because we do need to get some water on some of these soils. Cold weather concerns are not completely gone yet either, are they? Unfortunately not. Um, you know, if, if you look at the Climate Prediction Center's outlooks, um, you know, especially the, the 6 to 10 day to 14 day, there is a period of cold that is coming into early next week uh, I guess maybe more mid next week is, is kind of where we're looking at it. Um, it looks like the focus of that cold is more towards the plains area uh, and then kind of works its way across the, across the south. Uh, the whole central U.S. is likely going to be colder than average uh, for a several-day period next week. Um, the, the, the concerns we have about this cold right now uh, are that, you know, from, from a row crop standpoint, this won't be it doesn't look like a major issue because it's, we're not going to sit for a week in cold and wet conditions where it's just going to be cooler for a period of time. 
So it's probably just going to slow down the warming of the soils. The more concern we have is do we go below freezing? And we do, it does look like parts of the, you know, the northern plains could go below freezing. And, and then, you know, maybe down through parts of the plains. The, the problems where we could have are, you know, how cold does it get? Does it get cold enough that we harm any rangeland? You know, we got rangelands in pretty rough condition. Doesn't look like it's too much at risk right now. Uh, what does it do for winter wheat? Uh, you know, do we have some freezing problems on winter wheat? Uh, again, it doesn't look too serious at this point, but something worth keeping an eye on. And then more of those uh, specialty crop kinds of things, people who have orchards, other types of crops, could it get cold enough to damage some of those blooms because we are at a reach at a point where we're getting a lot of blooms on those kinds of things. Uh, those are more eastern corn belt, say, and then south. Uh, so those don't look too much at risk at this point. But the thing we do need to keep an eye on with this is that it, though the cold doesn't look too extreme at this point, and something we've been talking with a lot of regional partners about is how dry the air has been over the last, you know, much of this spring. Uh, that's related to some of the overall dry conditions, but we've had just some some very very dry air that's helping dry our soils out. But when you have dry air uh, at night, if you have dry air and your winds fall off at night, sometimes you can drop off pretty quickly. So we're going to have to keep a pretty close eye on this cold just to make sure that we don't have some problems along the way here. What does the drought monitor map look like now? Are those dry areas expanding, or have we cut them back? Where does it stand? Well, it, it's, we're, we're kind of in a combination right now of where we are looking at the U.S. drought monitor. The new one just came out this morning. Uh, it's a couple hours old here. And as a reminder, the, the, the valid period for the drought monitor ends Tuesday so that uh, anything that's happened since Tuesday morning can't get incorporated until next week's map. Uh, we have lots of, of abnormally dry areas or some D1 uh, moderate drought in the northern areas, like up around the Great Lakes, Wisconsin, Michigan, northern Indiana, Ohio areas, and kind of mixed bag there. And then as you go into the Dakotas and parts of northwest Minnesota and even down into northwest Iowa, we have some more serious conditions of drought, uh, D2 severe, D3 extreme drought. In fact, lots of North Dakota and, and part of northern South Dakota are in D3, and there's a little bit of northwest Iowa that's still in D2 and D3 as a carryover from last year. Um, and those the drought areas in the northern plains, we're, we're seeing that show up in the way of rangeland issues. They've been North Dakota Extension's been doing some planning all year, and there's some, some culling starting and concerns about how much rangeland productivity we're going to get with those dry areas. Um, and then, uh, in fact, a North Dakota Extension person was on a call recently said even some of the small grains people, even though soils are, are, are ready to go, they're waiting a little bit till they get some rainfall before they put uh, soil in the ground, being, or before, before they put seed in the ground. They're being concerned about that. As you get down to Nebraska, Kansas, and further east, the southern part of the Corn Belt, no real problems at this point. We've had enough rainfall in that area. We maybe have a few spots in there that are a little bit wet, but most of that area is just, is I would call it okay and, and ready to go at this point. Uh, we have had some rainfalls, but we have had such good drying conditions with the warm air, windy conditions. I mentioned earlier the very dry air that uh, that combination has, has really kind of dried things up so that we have very, you know, it looks like mostly fairly small areas that would be delayed at all. So once we get past some of this cold, 
or even in the middle of some of this cold, we're probably going to be moving pretty quickly on some of the planting in that area. All right. Always good to talk with you, Dennis. Thanks a lot. Uh, boy, a lot of focus on the, these conditions as we head into this planting season. Thank you so much. We'll stay in touch. Happy to do it. You guys take care. Thank you. Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub. All right, coming up tomorrow, a look at the ongoing dispute over potatoes. Yeah, that trade dispute between the U.S. and Mexico. We'll get an update on that. Also look at marketing as both commodity prices are higher, but so are input costs. We'll be talking more about that tomorrow as well. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.